And welcome to another episode of the Black Expat Podcast. My name is Carl, and I am very, very excited to be rocking with you guys for yet another episode. If you guys have been tuning in over the past few weeks, uh, I fulfilled one of my promises that I made. I definitely recorded some of my own personal podcasts without me doing any interviews. But if you also have been tuning in, you've heard me conduct some amazing interviews over the past month. And I am extremely thankful for people who have reached out to do interviews and those who I've conducted interviews with. Because as you guys know, I've learned so much from each and every interview. And I'm excited about the journey I've been on in becoming a full-time Black expat podcaster. Today, I have a very, very special guest that I would like to welcome into the show. And usually, you guys know what I do. I give a little bit of backstory about the individual. Um, I talk them up before they join. However, I want to save the amazingness, the awesomeness, um, all of the wonderful things that uh, our next caller excuse me, that a person will be joining us, will be talking about. I want to save that for her to give her own personal introductions about the amazing project she's working on, her newly released Amazon series. So um, I'm really excited to jump right into the interview. I want to make sure, she might actually already be on the call. Let me check. Hello, Juanita, are you on the call already? Yes, I am. Oh, well, thank you so very much for joining the Black Expat Podcast. How are you doing this evening? I am doing extremely well. How are you? I'm doing great. I had basketball practice this morning and I've been spending the entire day rewatching your series, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> been doing a lot of different work. But can you just uh, really quickly just introduce yourself, um, your background, um, and some of your interests? Uh, yeah, and then just do a really quick introduction of yourself. Sure, absolutely. I am Juanita Ingram. Um, as you can hear, I'm originally from the States, the United States, um, from Tennessee, Chattanooga. I am a lawyer. Um, an attorney, an author, an actress. I'm also a CEO of a nonprofit production company and um, the founder of a couple of other nonprofit companies, uh, Dress for Success in London and Dress for Success in Chattanooga. And so uh, my interest, I have a lot of hobbies and a lot of things that I do. I'm also a wife, <laughs> mother of two. Um, I like to travel and um, yeah, I love making film. And I love uh, making content that empowers women and empowers marginalized people. So that's my that's my thing. Thank you. And you talk about your love of film. Um, would you mind really quickly just talking about how did you get into how did you discover your passion for filmmaking? Like where where did that come from for you? Oh, wow. You know, it was a long journey. My mother is a musician and she's in the arts. And so I started acting in theater when I was nine. And um, just started out, you know, with the love of acting when I was younger. And then I grew up and did some adulting and did not pursue acting <laughs> for quite some time. Uh, went to law school and that whole thing. I had entertainment clients. So I still always love the arts. I play five instruments. Um, you know, I, I always love music. I always love performing. And so mm. went to law school and then got married, went to London for my, our first expat assignment and took a break from practicing law for the first time in my life ever. And wow. I decided, yeah. And so I decided then, you know, what did I really enjoy doing that set my soul ablaze? And mm. I decided to start back and taking taking acting classes. Uh, I went and auditioned, got signed by an agent in London, did my first mm. independent feature while we were there, got my first Best Actress nomination from the Urban uh, Film Festival, uh, British Film Festival there, and just continued acting. When we moved back from London to the US, I decided we were in Indianapolis. There's not a lot of SAG certified opportunities mm -hmm. that happen in Indianapolis. We don't have tax credits. <laughs> so I had to start, I had to start making my own opportunities. And that was the first time that I got behind the camera and just fell in love with the um, storytelling aspect of it and production. Mm -hmm. And I did my first uh, law talk show, produced myself and outsourced it. And then I started looking at money and numbers. And I thought, you know what, I should get a production company and do some of this myself <laughs> um, instead of just spending money and, and, you know, start working smarter instead of harder. So that was the birth of Purpose Production. 
And mm. um, we've done a couple of short films, you know, a lot of content out there. But our main focus is using the visual arts for for challenging their negative stereotypes and and providing this cross cross cultural experience for audiences um, throughout the world. So we've got a couple of awards underneath our belt. And um, I just I like putting forth images that that challenge stereotypes and that really give a voice to people who may not otherwise have one. Well, I mean, that's that's absolutely amazing. I know you mentioned living in Indiana. I actually went to school at DePaul University in Indiana for four years. Um, yes. Uh, in Indiana. <laughs> and living I in knew Indiana. That. Is, um, I, someone... a... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not. Oh, I'm no, sorry. I was going to say I knew that because, no, I knew that someone actually, it's like we only have, you know how most people have six degrees of separation? I think we only have two. Like, I know mm. so many people that know you, I think from me being in Indiana, um, mm -hmm. that were just like, you got to meet Carl. And I'm like, I'm going to try. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, you were getting ready to say something about Indiana. I think I know what you're going to say, though, but go ahead. <laughs> you know, living in Indiana, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different kind of monster, except for coming from a big city or like coming from anywhere else in America, to be quite honest. Coming from Chicago and living in Indiana for the four years I did, it was, whew, it was, um, yeah. It was rough. The 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 thing that wh where I was for college, the biggest thing we had, the biggest building was Walmart. Um, mm -hmm. That that was it. That was our only source of entertainment. So it was definitely uh, quite quite a living adjustment from living in in Chicago, Illinois for that for that amount of time. Oh, I bet. You know, anytime a state has a state slogan of "We are Indiana, we have more than corn," you have to question. <laughs> You know, whether or not that's really true. If you need a marketing statement to say that Indiana is a, is a special um, place, it is, it's Indiana. I mean, coming from Chattanooga, I had expectations of it being like more metropolis and, you know, this like booming. Th it is the most Southern Northern state I've ever experienced in my life. I'll put it that way. So, yes, and that so is yeah, definitely, and it was, yeah. Yeah. And it was a bit of, of an adjustment coming from London, having been there for almost five years and then coming back to the States and coming back to Indiana. It's not that you outgrow a place because there are I have some really great relationships and wonderful friendships and sisterhood and, you know, a lot of wonderful people that are there. I think it is just the overall mindset. It's kind of kind of hard, but that's that's part of the journey of being an expat is that that repatriation is no joke either. You know, when, when you go yeah. back and nobody wants to hear about your travel experiences and you know your your life experiences as an expat you feel doubly isolated for for mm -hmm. that experience that you know people can't always relate to so and so. actually that that is an amazing point that i definitely talked about that when i actually first started the podcast that was one of the hardest things for me uh, adjusting to just talking about my experiences with family and i actually wrote an article in a podcast about you know it was called life abroad and the journey home it was essentially when i returned home i was so excited to share everything that i was ha that i had been going through all the amazing countries i was traveling to but i kind of forgot in that moment that my family also were going through things on their own they had experiences of their own that they were going through and i was so into myself that i had to kind of recalibrate and realize that, hey, yes, I've done amazing things and I've been doing great things too, but my family has also had their own experiences that I need to re-ingratiate re myself into their life as well. So that is a very good point that I, me and many expats have talked about a few times uh, whenever talking about the expat experience that 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 we've had over the, over the course of the years. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I think, I hope the show um, can give insight and help to have those conversations can help with those kind of dialogues that maybe once they see, you know, we're visual people. So maybe once they see someone else's journey, I don't want to say that people become more tolerant of hearing um, <laughs> your experiences, but you know, I, my experience was that people had probably about 3.5 seconds of interest in hearing <laughs> about my, <laughs> yeah. my, you know, my experience in my life. And then they were like, oh, okay. And wanted to move on. But so I wanted to create, you know, content and something for people to look at to sort of shed a light on this area uh, and this type of, of lifestyle that not only have people not seen, but when we try to talk about it, they don't really want to hear about it from us. So maybe they'll <laughs> like to look at it, you know? So I'm hoping that the show will help with those conversations as well. So coming from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I've, I've gotten this question a lot coming from Chicago, Illinois, from friends back home and people here. Um, what actually your journey to Taiwan, what brought you and your family to this amazing island that we're currently living in? 
Yes. So my husband's job brought us here, um, as did our journey to London and our entire expat journey. My husband's job promotions um, have been the catalyst. So I am what is known as a trailing spouse, um, even mm-hmm. though that phrase sounds like I'm roadkill being drugged behind the car, but still, that's what I am. <laughs> and so um, his job has been, a, but it's been a blessing. I um, I say his job brought us here. My husband will laugh anytime somebody asks, you know, well, what brought you to Taiwan? And he'll always laugh the same way he does in London. He says, you know, my job was just a catalyst. Her purpose is what brought us here because I'm always reinventing myself, always finding, you know, different things and different skills to tap into in different seasons of life. But uh, definitely his job is what brought us here. And just really excited to be in Taiwan during this time. At the time we moved, I had no idea who would, what a year it's been, you know, (laughs) Uh, it seemed really random. I'll be honest when they Mm -hmm. said, you know, Taiwan, um, because it just seemed quite frankly, quite random. Our family was like, where (laughs) I still think half of our family thinks we live in Thailand. That's a whole Mm -hmm. nother conversation, you know, (laughs) but, but um, I definitely see why God placed us here. Uh, Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that everything happens for, a reason and certainly during this time there's no place on earth that I would rather live right now than Taiwan. Oh wow. And you are a mother, you are an actress, you are a lawyer. Um you are you carry so many hats. So how have you and your family, especially during these trying times during COVID-19, being abroad, having family back home, um having all these journeys and businesses that 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 you're working with, how have you guys adjusted to living in Taiwan during these trying times? You know, I think we all here in Taiwan have been extremely blessed Uh, in terms of us settling. It certainly did throw a a wrench in things. I mean, (laughs) you know, the first the first six months that you move someplace, you expect to have language barriers or, you know, cultural things, trying to find the place where you can go grocery shopping. Where do you Mm -hmm. go find socks? You know, the normal things that you have to experience in order to settle in. And I say normal, normal in expat world or normal in, you know, relocating, which always comes with a lot of ups and downs and the natural hurdles that you have to overcome. But then you throw in, I think, you know, four months into our move here and a full on pandemic, um, you know, the first six months that we were here or the first semester, schools were full. My daughter didn't have a place in school. So I was homeschooling. And then as soon as we got her into school, the schools closed because of COVID. So she had like, yeah, she had like, in terms of settling and and being, you know, this third culture kid and and living on three different continents. And this is her, you know, fourth school in a matter of of two to three years. And Hmm. she's just now getting in and it's two weeks in. And then she's at home for the remainder of the month. And then she goes back for two weeks and then it shuts again in March, you know, so it, that made it a bit hard to settle into a routine for kids, for my kids Mm -hmm. sake in terms of education. Um, So, you know, but overall, I really think as most people probably here in Taiwan, that we've all been very fortunate, very blessed to be in the position that we're in for family. However, it is isolating. I think it adds to, a little bit of an isolating feeling because most of us at least go home once a year, you know, and that just isn't going to happen. I feel fortunate that we're in a place where we're safe, but Mm. I miss my family tremendously. I miss, you know, when you move away, you already feel like you miss time and Mm. there are portions of time that you, you can't get back. I'm still fortunate enough. My grandmother's still alive. She's 91 years young. Oh, wow. And, you know, Man. there. Yeah. And I well, right when before we moved, we we had a 90th birthday celebration and I promised her, oh, I'll come home every summer. I'll be here for your birthday because I know that I have less years with her than, mm-hmm. you know, than what I've had. And it just it adds to the, the concern that you have about missing pockets of time with family mm-hmm. that you, you can't get back. But at the same time, you, you're feel very fortunate to be healthy, to be safe. Um, But I miss 
holidays. I miss, you know, going home and it's uh it, it adds to the isolation sometimes, but then you I choose to focus on what I have, not what we are giving up for the sake of, you know, the greater good. And uh, I'm and I can definitely relate to all of that because that definitely I it, it I think this year has been so unique for 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 all of us um, whether you're an expat or you're living back home just because I know this Thanksgiving was harder for me than any other Thanksgiving I've ever been a part of especially since last year I went home for Thanksgiving I also have a grandmother who's in her 80s and you know I have sisters who just had two children I'm I'm missing first birthdays I'm missing you know uh, I mean my mother she's turning 60 soon so there's so many things I feel like I'm missing uh, but again it's it's one part I'm sad I'm not at home, but I'm also happy to be in a place where I can have a normal life, uh, mostly normal life. And right. my family's also happy, right? My right. family's also happy that I am healthy uh, and mm-hmm. that I am also safe. So um, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, it's balance. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's like you, you, I think it's wrong to, to deny those feelings of, of isolation or sadness, you know, I, I'd like to, I try to acknowledge my emotions at all times. So, uh, on one hand, I feel extremely grateful because I know a lot of people are like, what can you possibly complain about? You're living in this place that's essentially, you know, COVID free and you should feel grateful. And we do, Hmm. but I think at the same time, um, it would be wrong to ourselves to, to say, you know, I'm human and I, I miss hugging my grandmother. And right. that's real. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, there is nothing like, and I, you, you have kids. I, I want to have kids one day. I do have a question about that as well. But there is no, mm-hmm. I, I just miss my mother's hug. I'm not going to lie. I have yes. moments where I'm just like, I just want to embrace my mom and my sister because I'm the only boy of, of four kids and all girls. So it's oh just, I just miss those moments. Uh, it's like, I just want to reach out and hug someone. And, yeah. Uh, and well, it, you were, you were loved on because, see, I have a son. And there's hmm. nothing like the mother son hug. <laughs> Man, right? Like it. Yeah, nothing like and, it. Uh, and buying uh, Fortnite games, apparently. Uh, we'll definitely yeah. get into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but a question I do want to get to, but uh, I want to ask you, but uh, before we get into expats and national ingrams, which is um, a huge topic I know we definitely want to dive into deeply, um, you mentioned your, your kids you know, c- coming to Taiwan and then being able to only go to school for maybe two weeks in March, then having to stop. Um, outside of education, how have they been able to adapt to the social aspect of living in Taiwan? Like, are they a part of different programs? Um, have they been able to make friends outside of not only relying on going to school? Like, how, how has that transition been for them uh, here in Taiwan? You know, I think they've fared really well. This is their second time living internationally and making friends mm-hmm. from all over the world. And, you know, kids are fluid. You know, we're, we're the ones that, that have a hard time over 30 making new friends. Kids <laughs> just want to be kids. You know, they just want to play. They find commonality in so many things. They've made a lot of friends. Even when my daughter was homeschooling uh, the first semester, my son was in, in, their, in an international school and my daughter played for their soccer team as part of the homeschooling program. So she was making friends. Then my daughter is me reincarnated. Um, pray for, pray for us. You saw her on the show. Uh, she is a social butterfly. She has never met a stranger. I think whether she had made friends at school or not, Kinsley was going to have a squad regardless. Like she was just, she's one of those kids that just never met a stranger. Um, she has this infectious smile and a wonderful personality is very, very outgoing. They fared really well. They've made great friends, you know, within our, um, circle of friends that you'll you'll see on the show all of us have kids and whether they're in the european school or the american school we all hang out together so eventually Mm -hmm. and inevitably they make friends within their school outside of their school whether we're at the american club or you know different activities Uh, my son plays basketball and has done a lot of coaching outside of his school and so there are friends to be made there church is a great place also to meet oh, okay. kids. And so, you know, we, 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 this isn't new for, for us or for them. <laughs> um, so they're, they're pretty flexible. Uh, they do miss their friends in the United States. I will say, and I was saying this on a podcast earlier or on a show earlier, actually, it's a difference moving with young children as opposed mm-hmm. to what I'm seeing now moving with kids who are in 
middle school, you know, sixth grade where they've made relationships. So this time right. leaving was a different conversation. When we moved to London, my I was still breastfeeding my son. He didn't care where we were just <laughs> as long as me me and the milk were close. So, you know, he could he could care less. Like he was just like, I don't care where we are. And in fact, when we moved back, he didn't even know he was an American. Like he mm. thought he was British. He didn't even remember being being born there. So I was like, yeah, this is where you were born. And we went to the pediatrician office and I was like, this is the hospital that you were born in. And he was like, really, mommy? Here. You know, <laughs> I, said, I said, yes, baby, this is the hospital you were born in. So I'm not, I'm not British then. And I'm like, no, I've been trying to explain your nationality to you for the last five years. So, you know, kids are so adaptable. They, they're great. They're great. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's an amazing story. <laughs> so um, thank you so much, man. I'm still laughing from that. I'm going to get my laugh out. So, <laughs> um, I know we've, we, we've, we've alluded to it a few times in the uh, during the podcast so far, uh, but can you just tell us about the Expats International Ingram uh, and just tell us about what it is um, and anything you'd like to share uh, just about this amazing project that you've been working on for, gosh, I don't even know how long, about a full year, right? Oh my gosh, longer actually. You know, wow. it's so yeah, it's the expats. It is uh, a reality docu series. There are twenty episodes. It is out on Amazon Prime right now, and it is all about our journey. Um, it showcases something that has never been seen before, and that is the lifestyle and lives of expats. You know, it, and also. The reason, one of the strongest reasons why I, I decided to undertake the process and the project was because when you look at film and you look at television, there is scripted, meaning, you know, scripted TV, like television shows that come with scripts, you know, um, mm -hmm. um, law and order or things of that nature, scripted TV, soap operas. And then there's the unscripted genre that we know as reality TV, that there's no script. So it's unscripted. When I looked at the unscripted world, I didn't really see anything, one that dealt with the subject matter of folks living abroad and and just showing that experience. So I knew it was a new niche. I knew it was something that had never been done. That's always good when you're looking to tell a story that, mm. that, that it hasn't been told. Um, and then also, quite frankly, it really intrigued me to show positive images and really inspire me. I was really motivated to show positive images of black families, of black professionals, of black people living mm. abroad because that had never been shown as well. And I love unscripted television. I, I watch various shows. I think that there's something for everybody. I don't think that there's anything wrong with any particular type of show because, you know, black people are not a monolith and our stories are not monolithic and we you know have a gamut of emotions and experiences but i just felt like a lot of what they showed was repetitive mm. um and it needed some difference you know if you keep serving me macaroni and cheese as good as macaroni and cheese is and as much as i like macaroni and cheese it Amen. gets old so I would like some collard greens. If you could put a little ribs on the side, can I get some cornbread? You know, just make me a whole <laughs> plate of, of blackness, please. And so yeah. I looked at these shows, um, even in, in, and I'll tell you the impact that, that really uh, was profound. There was a show that came out a while ago uh, about black sorority life. And yeah. it was only on briefly for like one season. And then all the sororities kind of shut it, shut it down. But I was, you know, you know how we do. And I was in, um, we were like, no, ma'am. Uh, but I was in London and living in London at the time. And I was going to get my nails done in Brick Lane at my favorite nail salon. And I put my keychain down on the table. And she saw my keychain and, you know, they don't even have sororities in the UK. Like that notion that that idea is, is very foreign for them. They don't have that at their universities. It's a very American concept. And mm. she looked at it. She said, oh, you're in one of those groups. You're in that group. Why do you all behave that way? As educated. And this is another black British woman talking to me. And she said, you know, as educated college women, why do you behave that way? Why do you always fight? Why are you behaving that way? You just seem like, you know how can you support that? And it hit me. I'm like, oh my God, 
these shows are having an impact, not just in the U.S., but how the world sees us as people. And if you just give them the same formula and the same imagery, they don't have the diversity of everything that is us. And um, we used to do Soul Food Sundays in London, and it was like a potluck. We would go from house to house and all the African-American people would get together for dinner once a month. And one one Sunday, there were 35 of us out on the lawn. Frankie Beverly and Mays was playing in the background. We were barbecuing. Kids were running on the lawn. Beyonce was playing. And I looked up and there was, win- <laughs> you know, I looked up and there was Windsor Castle in the background, you know, because that's the neighborhood that we were living in. And I, it hit me at that time. I'm sure that nobody knows that black people are, are out here living in this way. And I looked around at who was attending the dinner and everybody was a director, a vice president, a manager, a regional director, you know, doctors, lawyers, and the Indian chiefs. And and (laughs) I just said, you know, it would be nice to show this aspect of black reality and to make it so that it is real and honest and um, changes the narratives and sort of challenges stereotypes. I think when you live in a place like Taiwan, as beautiful as it is and as wonderful as it is, one of the issues of microaggression here that still happens in terms of um, discrimination or you know the hand- mishandling of black folks is exposure. And you know all they see is one thing of us if they see us at all. And so we have to be very careful about the images and controlling our narrative and controlling and having ownership of what is put forth in the media. We can't control what they see on the news, what they see in other shows. But if we're only shown in one particular light and that light is syndicated all over the world, <laughs> then somebody you know, somebody has to take the responsibility uh, to, to put forth something different. Not that, not that there's anything wrong with what, what is out there because we have that like everybody else does. Everybody else has, you know, a lot of diversity within their groups. I just wanted to show something different. And I also wanted to honor black men and respect mm-hmm. black men and really showcase my husband's success for other young black men who, you know, may have grown up in a single parent home without a father. He's from Alabama, you know, made certain right. choices in life and it is a Duke MBA graduate now and, you know, is president of a Taiwan affiliate of a major company here. And you don't see that every day on Mm. television. They don't show that. And so I wanted to make sure that somebody gives a positive narrative for black men, which I think we could do more of. So when you got, so like when, when you decided to actually sit down and put this amazing project uh, to to get to get the ball rolling to actually get it started how what was that conversation like with your family and like how did you guys process you know coming from london where you guys live for for a period of time as well and deciding you know what taiwan this move is the this is the right time for us to actually put this into play because this move to taiwan will have x y and z like what was the thought process behind deciding to launch this project mm-hmm. once you decided to come to taiwan and then get the ball rolling with it Yeah, you know, we started this journey. We actually pressed record, the first recording in December 29th, 2018. So the journey, it took two years to bring this project forward. And that's normal. Most projects, uh, when you take them under, especially for episodic series, whether it's scripted or unscripted, you usually go into development for a year. And so we decided to develop develop the show um, for almost a year while filming, but still trying to figure out what the show was going to be conversation with my family. You know, my husband's used to me by now. And, (laughs) um, I don't really know if I ever really said anything to them like, Hey guys, we're about to do this show. We started out vlogging. Fortunately, my daughter loves YouTube. My -hmm. son loves YouTube. So they don't mind being in front of the camera, you know, to them, it was more so we started out doing this travel vlog that I turned into where in the world is Juanita. And Mm -hmm. we would do family vacations. And so they would get in front of the camera and talk about where they were. And I got them comfortable with that. My daughter is also an actress and so is my son. So they, you know, they've done theater and stuff before. So they're, they're no stranger to, to being, um, 
in the spotlight and sharing ideas and thoughts. I think when it really was coming about with my husband that we were going to move again, um, I really talked to him and said, I, I really want to share with the world this journey that we experienced in London. I know it will be a different journey this time because there'll be a language barrier. And I, this is something that I really want to do. And I decided, because I, I had to have a conversation with him because I told him, I said, you know, I'd like to dedicate this last year because I knew I always had a feeling that we were going back out as expats, mm -hmm. even before they told us. I just had a feeling. And I told mm -hmm. him, I'd like to save my entire year's salary and fund this endeavor. And that's what I did. And I had to have a conversation with him about it because, you know, uh, once I quit my job, I was like, now the second wave of this you're going to have to be the sugar daddy and I'm going to need you to, you know, really sponsor my lifestyle and, and so forth. You know, mama, mama, mama's going to need some things. And, um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, I had to get his, his buy-in, but I think he knew my vision and the kids knew, and I, I really talked to them about the importance of representation and why mm. we were doing this so that other children could see opportunities so that other young children would know. Um, because I explained to them, you know, mommy and daddy are normal folk. I'm from Chattanooga. He's from Alabama. And we need to be an example. I, I'm a firm believer. We are people of faith. I told them I really felt like God had a calling on our lives because much is given, much is required. I, I really mm -hmm. feel like being an expat and being in this position is a blessing. And you have to be a really good steward of the blessings that God has given you. I honestly don't know who else could have done something of this nature, given that my experience, I just felt like I was postured to do this. Who else? You know, this was a perfect mm -hmm. opportunity. And if I didn't do it, um, I, I don't know. I, I really felt like we were here for this reason. All of the experiences that I had in filmmaking um, just flooded in and came in all at the right time. And it just made sense. And my husband was 100% on board. I didn't even know that he was that great on camera because he's not, you know, he's very conservative. <laughs> he's never, he's not the theater type. I didn't know what to expect when I got him in front of the camera. I'm like, is he going to be SpongeBob SquarePants? Is he going to be, you know, I didn't know what he's going to give me. I didn't know what he's going to do. And then he got it for the camera. I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this person? You know, and he was, he's, hilarious but he's always funny i just didn't know you know sometimes people see that little red light come on and they freeze yeah. up um but he came to life and i think it's because he too enjoys encouraging people and we really see the show as a form of ministry to other people like on different levels for different reasons one to encourage people to get out of their comfort zone two to show people how to navigate change and transition and then also Three, to showcase black families, black marriage, black love, um, black professionals, black intelligence in ways that haven't been done in quite some time. You can get it in scripted. So we've got blackish, you know, we've got Cosby yeah. show, different world. We've got all those things in the scripted genre. But when you go to unscripted, what's supposed to be a reflection of reality, uh, you know, you have a huge responsibility in terms of how we showcase our own people and giving a balanced view of what we mm. are. Oh, that's just, that's, that's just so profound and amazing. I'm not gonna lie, I've watched, <laughs> I've watched many of the episodes. I think I have maybe two left. I also, I watched the beginning, uh, parts of the middle, and I, had, I, I did the end a little bit, and I think uh, I have one more episode, mm. not two, I'm sorry, one more episode to watch. And I, I definitely teared up a few times. I teared up a did few you? times, and I was like, yeah. And it, it was very moving because, you know, I, I came to Taiwan 10 years ago. And like I told people, I said, uh, I, I'm so far I'm so far removed from my first time entering the country that sometimes mm -hmm. I lose sight of that feeling of being a new expat. And when I say a new expat, it's not being a new person to go to a, like, not your first time being in a new country. Because everyone goes to another country, right? Most people do. But it's your mm -hmm. first time moving to a new place and all the feelings and the emotions and the transitional aspect of just being here for the first time. Because, like, like usually, usually when you go out and you meet someone that's an expat, like, you, 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 you assume they have all these things. 
You assume they have mm-hmm. friends. You assume that they know where to go and find and buy all these things. But, you know, really, we don't. Like, I, I still to this day, being here for 11 years now, I still find new things that I didn't know about Taiwan, about living here, that I would easily find back home. And that's just so real. So, like, watching the show, uh, again, I watched it three or four times. Uh, watching oh, the yay! show. Thank you. <laughs> like, it just, it, it really just reminded me of all those feelings and emotions. And again, for me, I really want to have a family someday. And you know, I'm all about family and just watching another black family on TV in a way that I can relate to in so many ways, not through, you know, I, I'm not married with kids yet, but just the mm-hmm. overall experience is just so powerful and influential. And I've encouraged everyone I've known to watch it, to talk to me about it and have conversations about it because it is important. And with the coronavirus, especially back home in America, having an impact that it does, Many of us, when I say us, I mean black people are talking about moving and leaving the country. And a lot of us have families and have kids. And this is something that can say, you know what? It isn't impossible. There are schools for my kids there. They can adjust. They can do things. It shows us what we can do. And it doesn't limit us to, oh, I don't have the information. No, it's here. If you don't want to read about it, you can watch it, right? If you don't want to watch it, you can listen to it on the podcast. Shout out to you guys listening. So, I mean, there's so many ways to get information. (laughs) And again, this, this was just... Um, I, you know, I've been here for 10. This is the one of the best projects I've ever seen done. And it just it hit my heart. So I'm, I'm just so full of joy. So my question is, oh, my gosh, my mouth is open right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Wow. Yeah, it's, because it's just it's really amazing. What was your favorite episode? Because you have 20 episodes. What was your favorite yes. episode to to be a part of, to produce um, and to talk through that you would recommend? So you know what? Hey, this is something that you guys should tune in because of your feelings. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Favorite episode. It's like picking your favorite child. You can't. I don't <laughs> have. Oh, you know, there are certain scenes um, that I'm particularly proud of. Uh, in terms of, first of all, I'm, I'm still unpacking everything that you just said. I just want you to know that. And it's just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, that just filled my whole spot. I'm going to backpedal for one second. I am so full right now with you sharing that with me. Thank you so much for saying that. I'm just really overwhelmed um, because that, you know, sometimes you you do things and you don't know if people will get it, let alone like it. And for you to say that, that means uh, a lot to me, especially since from someone who's been an expat for 10 years to really understand what we were trying to show and do. And everything that you said is everything that I wanted to happen. So thank you for sharing that. Um, My favorite episode, I do believe that 19 and 20 mean a lot um, because I, it, but there are so many great scenes. Like I love Keenan mm-hmm. and Kinsley's daddy and daughter date scene. You know, oh, that just right. really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that just really warmed my heart. Cause they, they do that. Kinsley, I don't know what young man is going to date her because they, <laughs> Keenan has made a very, I mean, how do you take somebody on a daddy daughter date? Oh, let's just go to Paris. I don't know who's <laughs> going to date her. You know, I, I feel sorry for whoever mm-hmm. tries to, but I bet it's just beautiful to see, um, their relationship as a mom, obviously as a mom and as a wife, I thought that Keenan and Quincy's relationship, or not relationship, but conversation from two black males living abroad and speaking about how they feel safe and seen and their experience um, was just really profound. And I was proud to bring that conversation to the screen. Um, there were there were many many scenes that just really touched me. I loved our soul food Saturday party, um, yeah, yeah. just because of so much that we had overcome, and it was like the culmination. It was the one episode that I watched because believe it or not, it's very hard for me to still watch myself on television, um, <laughs> and still you know it's just it just is. I'm not. I'm really not narcissistic. I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea and people be like, oh, she's so extra. I'm really not. I just, (laughs) I really just feel these inclinations and these callings to do certain things. And they just so happen to be in the entertainment genre, but I'm actually an introvert. That's a whole nother conversation. But 20 was one of the episodes that I watched multiple times because it was so beautiful to me to see black people celebrating and living and just to want to normalize um, life 
and normalize professional people and normalize us living and just being. It was just refreshing to to see it. I know I was there, but sometimes it's different when you see it because I didn't see everything and everybody what everybody was doing. And um, that was touching. It was uh, conversations with my mom and my grandmother. I, mm-hmm. I will always appreciate because uh, that put a smile on my grandmother's face. Oh, and man. so that means a lot to me. There were times when I wanted to give up on the project and my grandmother was the one who encouraged me to keep going because it was, you know, it's hard doing this. We filmed on three different continents um, mm-hmm. and you know, it took two years to to really literally to the date to bring this to the public. Um, gosh, there were so many scenes. I love all the scenes with, with my kids. They're hilarious. Oh, yes. Like, like, you know, it's just they're just funny. Um, I can't pick. I I love the entire season. There wasn't one scene or one experience that I that I had um, for this season that I felt like, oh, I wish that didn't happen or oh, I didn't really enjoy that. You know, there were definitely huge trials and tribulations in terms of filming and bringing this to to pass. But in terms of the actual experience of it all. Um, I don't really have any that I, that, that weren't meaningful, uh, because it was all, I'm proud of the fact that every episode has a purpose. I didn't, there's no, there's really no, this is a pride as a filmmaker, because if you have scenes that you can do without, you're really wasting the audience's time. And I'm proud that there wasn't one scene that I felt like, oh, we can cut that out because it's really not connected to the larger picture, to the larger message of the show. There isn't there isn't one. So, uh, yeah, it's like picking a favorite child. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be really honest. One of the goals that I had when I first started the Black Expat podcast um, was to tell my own story. But then it kind of evolved into wanting to connect not only myself to other Black expats doing amazing things throughout the world, but also connect Black expats through you know conversations I have with other Black expats around the world doing amazing things. And you spoke about Soul Food Sunday. And I know for me, I came from Taichung up to Taipei and it was a typhoon. It was raining. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know it was a typhoon because Taichung was actually chilling. But um, (laughs) I I found out when I got to Taipei and it was raining. But in that moment, like it was in in my 10 years of being in Taiwan and everything that I tried to do because I hired black teachers to come and work with me. It was in that moment seeing so many black creatives, so many black people from so many different black backgrounds in that space, sharing a moment with you, with your family and you inviting us into that, but also giving us the opportunity to connect in ways that typically as black expats living in different countries don't come around quite often in mm-hmm. an organic, in a family, like a, a family feel style environment. And it was just, for me, it was so powerful. And it, I was just so thankful for that experience in and of itself, because that's something I feel like as black expats, we need more of. And I think, I think the photo I posted, you know, a week after was, man, we need more of this because it's mm-hmm. so important to our journey and to our experiences and to understanding that outside of the countries that we come from, because not all of us are from America, we want to acknowledge that. But right. just for black Americans, it's just we can connect with one another. We can look past our backgrounds and how different we are and embrace how similar we are and how we can come together and have these experiences in different countries around the world and uplift one another and support one another. And that created that vibe to the T. And then now that you have this 20 episode show that highlights the ins and outs of just your journey, your family's journey, and then how you connected many people, because many people have been connected through this experience. It is like when I say it's revolutionary, it really, really is because there I found, and I researched this a lot leading up to this podcast, there is nothing like what you've created. Like there's nothing out there that highlights us to the extent in which you let us dive into you personally, your family personally, and your experiences and everything that came with your transition to London, transition to Taiwan, and then, you know, processing what's next, right? So it is, man, it's just, it's just, and I I can't say enough how amazing it is. So my, my follow-up question would be, um, what was the most difficult aspect of filming? Uh, And what was the most rewarding part of the process for you as well? Thank you. Thanks for asking. And and thanks for that, saying all of that. This is just um, uh, an amazing experience to to hear this type of feedback. Most difficult part of filming um, was filming through COVID. 
quite frankly, because uh, my production partner, my my right arm, my partner in crime, uh, Brittany, was here, as you saw on the show, for quite some time. And then, then she wasn't, and she couldn't come back. And mm -hmm. so having to adapt, as a lot of people in the industry did over the summer and during that time, you know, we were fortunate here in Taiwan to still be able to be in production when a lot of production was shut down all over the world. With the cameras for us were still rolling. We did the majority lion's share of our filming over the summertime when the rest of the world couldn't film at all. Um, and putting together a team in another country and finding the right sound text, lighting, videographer, you know, cinematographer, um, editors, different people, finding venues. And, you know, you think about that you have to do all of these things and you don't have the benefit of the partnership that you thought you were going to have when you undertook this. When I said yes to this, you know, Brittany and I both said, yes, let's do it. We have made short films before we were, you know, this is the dynamic duo. And sometimes in life, you have to step out and say, okay, I can do this even if I have to do it all by myself. And it wasn't because she didn't want to be here, but even in, in having to adapt and direct virtually, you know, there were certain times when I had to hire an intern just to carry around a phone with her on FaceTime so that she could direct certain <laughs> scenes seriously. And they, she would take her and let her see the feedback on the camera. And she would take her into the scene, take her and show her around the room. Okay, when are, how are we gonna set this up? Where's the light gonna come from? Because you know, when you're filming these things, you, the quality matters. I don't, I don't ever like to put anything um, out that is not quality. And that may just be the lawyer in me, At perfection and excellence, it never shuts off. And so it's not, nothing's ever perfect, but it's to the best that you honestly can get it to do it. And that spirit of excellence, knowing that I had something, um, you know, I knew I had something special because it had never been done. That's also a very heavy burden and responsibility to make sure that when you're carrying this, that you do it in a way that is honorable for everybody that was involved, for everybody that allowed us to share their lives and their journeys. Mm -hmm. And I felt responsible to do it in a way that was, you know, um, quality. And so to do quality filming in the middle of COVID um, <laughs> in, in, in another country where you expected to have this team, I expected to fly my videographer here and I didn't, I wasn't able to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, the people that you normally work with and you get your crew together that knew this project in and out. And we almost had, and it's not even almost, we had start all over, even though, you know, Brittany, we have technology and, and it's great. There's nothing like being in the room to direct a scene though. So uh, exactly. some of these scenes, it, I had to direct them myself, a lot of producing myself, whereas I just didn't wear the executive producer hat, but literally doing everything from call sheets and a lot of pre-production work to, you know, getting, getting lighting right and, and hiring my own equipment. And, you know, just doing a lot of things myself. I think the best thing about the journey, however, was just that doing it myself because it stretched me. And mm. I have a different experience and different set of skills now that no one can ever take from me. And from this journey, I have a full appreciation of where we are and what it took to get those beautiful scenes that you see that you'll have absolutely no idea how much crap we had to <laughs> to pull off this certain season to get certain things done. And um, I think the best part was showing my kids my ability to overcome obstacles and hurdles. Um, the best part was knowing from a self-efficacy perspective what you are capable of when you don't have 10 people around you supporting you when it is just you and it shows you, you know, you think you know what you're made of until everything is going wrong. People are complaining. Nobody understands. And then you also have to be the star and then you also have to, you know, be on. And so I never thought, 
that I would have to wear the hat of star, cast, director, producer, sound, lighting. I never thought, you know, even in a, yeah. even as an indie, even as an indie filmmaker, there are there are limits. I mean, my goodness, but I wouldn't trade the process for anything in the world. I think we were fortunate and very blessed to have met some great people here, um, to have some great experiences. I think the best part of filming was the end scene where we were all sitting on the couch and I think people, my family was so being so silly because they were all relieved that it was over. <laughs> they didn't have to. They didn't have to do it anymore. I think the end of it all was ending it, and and just knowing that um, we were at a place of of completing it. And then you know, people don't even see the post production part of it all that goes into it, mm. where Brittany and I were on Facetime with one another eighteen twenty hours a day because yeah. we edit we edited this ourselves. Oh, wow. And so, yes. So we didn't send it out. I didn't work with any other production company. It's just me. Brittany and I laugh all the time. This started, you know, two chicks and a camera. You know, that's how it started. <laughs> and um, the the first episode has already won a Telly Award this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we're, we are and Telly Awards are like production awards. So what the Emmys are to acting and content, um, Telly Awards are the industry production awards. So it's judging the production quality of your content. And so as a production company, it meant a lot to me for that to be the case. But then also, again, just being a good steward of what you have. I knew I had something really special that had never been done, but that was a real heavy responsibility to feel um, knowing that it could either be really, really great or you could really mess this up. <laughs> it could be trash and you don't want to put that out. I'm like, this is a really great opportunity. And we're living in a time, like you said, so many people are thinking about leaving the U.S., even not permanently, you know, but even just for a break. Black people are tired, you know, yeah, oh, man. <laughs> people, people need a break, you know, and it's this this I, I think uh, you hit on something earlier about educating people and informing people. And one thing that we had written down on our, our whiteboard when we were mapping this all out was edutainment. And that mm. was a phrase that came to me. It's about educating and entertaining. You know, like you said, sometimes if you can't read about it, you can see it. If you can't see it, you can listen to it. But all of these things are forms of edutainment. And that phrase came from the Black Panthers oh. years ago when they mm. started educating black children about their identity and who they were. And they had to do it in a way that was entertaining and that was also informational. And I looked at this as an opportunity to really bring back edutainment to entertainment, to the uh, what we see on television. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a, a big responsibility to know that, and I, I've said this before on, on social media, I posted it, to know that God gave you something new. Because new things aren't always created. You know, a lot of times people jump on the piggyback on something else and there's not a lot of creativity in terms of newness. It's a huge responsibility to have something dropped in your spirit and for it to be new. Because like you said, you did the research. I did, too. It's not out there. No, it's nothing like it. Nowhere. And I, I found that hard to believe, you know, right. so I, I, like, it's probably why it took me like five years to come to, to the table with this. Cause I'm like, surely not, you know, I'm just, yeah. I just haven't run into it. No, it wasn't there. So that is a huge, um, blessing, but also a mm. huge responsibility to, to be careful with that yeah. because, you know, I'm portraying an entire group of people, even though I, it's my own journey and mm. it's myself the images that we put forth in the media impacts everybody. And that's the responsibility that we, we sometimes drop. And I was hoping that I didn't drop it. I just was like, Lord, (laughs) you know, don't let me embarrass my mama. (laughs) Don't let let my grandmother have any reason to be like, Oh Lord, you know? So um, that I just wanted to make my, I am so proud that people are watching this with their families. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, the first person to do was my was my mother and my like my we have a family chat. Everyone has them like oh mom family says check this out. 
because uh, they all definitely and definitely look at it. Like one of a few things I do want to touch on before I, I like I asked like two of my final questions was the first thing was one of the things that I find so interesting that I've definitely alluded to a few times. That I've actually dedicated four episodes coming up in January for my podcast was um, how much I learned about my black self from being abroad. And what I mean when I say that is being from America, specifically from Chicago and being in that system. And we all know what the American system is for black people, right? Um, being in that system, I, I didn't, I felt like, and this is different for everyone, but I felt like I never had the time to fully focus on what it meant to be me. And when I say me, I mean being black me, being Carl me, being the brother, being the, the boyfriend or like whatever hat I was carrying because there was so much that took up space in my spirit, in my mind, in my day-to-day life, specifically learning about my black self. Being abroad, you're, you're, you're kind of confronted with that right away in many different mm-hmm. ways. But you also have that space because there's not so many, so many things and people, to be honest, taking up that that space that you have to actually discover who you are and discover your black self. I've seen so many articles about how I found my black self living abroad and they kind of touch on the they touch on some parts of it, but they don't really dive deep into it. But that is so real and so true. And I think, again, through what, you, what you've produced and what you've put forward, I think a lot of us will then start to explore and feel more confident exploring publicly our Black selves and bringing that to the forefront. And I think that is very, very important for Black people and Black expats to explore that because that is who we are. And that includes we're, we're, that includes finding out where we came from. What does it mean to be Black? Our family's histories, all these things and conversations and we can have. Like I have an 80-year-old grandmother and I've never really asked her about her experiences growing up. But these things are so important, right, to to who I am because because of who she is is because it also plays into who my mother is and also plays into who I am because they pass down things that they've learned. But if you never take the time to understand their experiences, then how can you fully grasp who you are and who you have become, right? You can, but it's also good to have that information and that in and of itself is powerful. Additionally, um, one day I want to have kids and I may be living abroad. So mm-hmm. uh, that experience is important. I know we talked about this a few times, but that is definitely important. <laughs> like I didn't I always thought about where will my kids go to school? They definitely wouldn't go to any schools that I have taught at. No, but um, I would definitely, I would definitely send them to other schools. That is definitely important. Um, my last, uh, my last kind of question I have is like, so you the the production, uh, the expats, international Ingrams, um, not an elevator pitch, um, an elevator feel. How would you? introduce it to someone who you're just you're you're just trying to let this young black person know this is what's out there for you want to, for you to get more information and this is why you should tune in like how would you introduce it uh, the project itself and the impact that you hope to have with it wow that's a, a really good good question um i would tell them you know this is something that is new if you've ever considered living abroad if you've ever considered stepping outside of your comfort zone, or if you are going through any aspect of change and transition, you need to watch this show in order for you to see how at least one family navigated through so many avenues of change. And there is something on this show that's relatable for everybody. And so if you wanna laugh, if you wanna cry, if you wanna be inspired, if you wanna be informed, Watch the expats. Thank you so very much. And is there anything else that you want to talk about um, or, or, or any questions that you have for me or anything else that we can dive into regarding uh, the expats international Ingrams as well? Oh my gosh, you know, I don't know. I think we've, we've covered so much <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. already. I, I think, you know, I was going to ask you like, what, what was your favorite um, episode? I know you said you watched a couple of them a couple of times what what part made you cry and what was your favorite oh that was i'll, I'll cry again if i bring it up but my, oh, no. the, <laughs> the the first episode for me was so and was so encapsulating right because that's like that is the the episode that you want to get people who maybe have never heard of you before to kind of reel you in and that episode was filled it was filled with so many different things going on but I, I instantly felt connected to them and it, it it led me to want to f- keep watching the shows over and over again. Like I already knew you, so I kind of knew I want to anyway, but it was just so, like I connected to so many things that you guys were going through. Like seeing you just at home, being your full self, having the authentic conversations with your kids,
kids and then uh, and, and then your husband coming in saying, hey, so we moving to Taiwan. And you're like, uh, wait, Taiwan, like what language do they speak there? These, these <laughs> right. are like real questions, right? Like, yes. like people like these are real questions. I think the, the authenticity that was a, that, that you displayed in the first episode was just, man, I was like, man, this is going to be amazing. And as I keep watching, it got even deeper and so much better. So if I had to choose my favorite episode, I do like episode one because of everything that you put together in it. In it. Episode 19 was great as well. Uh, because that's where you were trying to put something together for a community here in Taiwan. And I think it gives people insight on things, on ways of doing things and how you can connect with other people that may not be, you know, common knowledge to everyone who lives in different places who happen to be black expats or not. So that episode was very powerful as well. And it showed, you know, friends you had made here, uh, connections you had made. And then you had a really deep conversation about, um, about your, um, about your health things as you were going through as well. So, I mean, those those episodes were just, man, like, again, I could speak about each of them. Again, I, I have a very good memory when it comes to things like this. So, I mean, it was just so, again, I could, I would, I could dive into each of I might actually do that, just dive into each episode. But yeah, it was, if I had to choose one, definitely episode one, episode 19. Um, but then episode 20, the uh, the final one, um, when you and your family are just being yourselves and you can see the joy in your kids' eyes of the love between you and your husband and your family and how you were like, yep, it may not be a season two. I loved it, but let me keep it real. This right. was hard, y'all. Um, but man, it's just that that black love. And during a time where this year was hard, Black Lives Matter rally, people, Americans still killing us, American cops still killing us. Yes. Like just to see black love. And then for me, personally, international black love, a family, when we're so far away from our families, it just, and that's where I teared up. It was like, man, like seeing that happy black family, it's just, we don't get enough of that on TV that doesn't come with drama or doesn't come with next week on this, we're going to see this person yell at this person. Like, no, this is just, (laughs) this is just happy black love. And it's yeah. a black family doing amazing things with kids who are beyond talent, like amazingly talented, a husband, amazingly talented, a wife. It's just, it's so rare that we get to see it, especially from an international perspective. And it's, you know, I can speak all day. I don't want to keep talking about it, but man, oh. it is just <laughs> amazing. Oh. So again, thank you so very much. Like, it's oh, just an honor you. to talk to you and just an honor to be able to watch it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'm going to have to take you on the press tour with me. I'm telling you the truth. Um, this has been just amazing to to have this conversation um, with you. And something else that just dropped into mind, you know, it was a real struggle and a fight and a push to get this out this year with time for people to watch it. I do want to encourage everyone to to watch it, binge it, because the the money that we, the nonprofit gets from the streaming will fund season two. And so please watch it, please stream it. But it was um, critical for me to push to get this out this year because I felt like people needed something, you know, in this holiday season, in this end of the year to at least take their minds off of everything else that was going on that was so negative and to try to put something out for us as black people because we've been through a lot this year. We've been through a lot in life, Mm -hmm. period. This has been a heavy year um, between Black Lives Matter and everything that's coming to a head. Not that it started this year, but this is just it's been a heavy year for everybody. And I wanted to put this out so that at least for 10 hours, because that's about the, the, the amount of of content that's there between the, the 20 episodes, at least for 10 hours, that someone mm-hmm. would smile, that we can make someone laugh, that we can encourage somebody um, and that it would be something that families could sit down over the holidays and watch with their kids because it, you know, we, we need that. I think everybody needs a hug right now. And when Mm. I said, this is, this was my love letter from my family to everybody else, we meant it. And that's what it is. And thank you so very much just for sharing with us, uh, for joining the Black Expat Podcast, uh, for taking time out of our Sunday. And I know you've been busy talking to a bunch of different people uh, since the launch and just responding to so many things. So, again, I genuinely am thankful for you taking the, for making the time uh, to join uh, me here on the podcast and uh, speaking to the audience. Um, it's, it's been an amazing interview and I've learned so much uh, just from watching and even more uh, just from talking to you. And I'm just excited as I rewatch it several more times because, again, it's the holidays. I'm not going to lie. I miss my right. family, but it's. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I, I could definitely watch the Ingrams uh, for a long oh. time online. So 
thank you so, so very much. much. And please thank send you. my love to your to your family as well. Um, we'll all of do. them. I know. I definitely appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you guys uh, for everyone that's tuning in. I want to say one more time. Thank you so much, Mrs. Juanita Ingram, for joining us here on the Black Expat Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's certainly been an honor. I hope you have an amazing night. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Black Expat Podcast. If you have not already, please click become a patron in the link to this podcast or if you're on Podbean. Uh, as again, this is my full time job and I'm going at it full head of steam. But again, this has been an amazing interview for me and an amazing podcast. I'm just so happy at the amount that I've learned um, and how excited I am to move forward with creating more content uh, for all of my listeners and for people worldwide into making these amazing connections I've been able, to, been able to make via having a podcast. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, remember, please go to Amazon Prime and stream and watch as many times as you can the expats, international Ingrams. It may make you cry like it made me cry, but I guarantee you during this time, no matter where you are in the world, it will definitely be worth the watch. And I hope that you guys call into my next episode and talk to me about it. Thank you guys for tuning in. My name is Carl, the Black Expat. Thank you so much, Juanita Ingram, for joining the podcast. We are out of here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>